The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Isabel Hardman. Now, Katie, this morning the new Conservatives group is launching a rival manifesto talking about the pledges it would like to see next year when the Conservatives are campaigning for their election campaign. Tell us about this. So the new Conservatives launched as Parliament's latest caucus um, a few weeks ago. I think one of the most striking things about it is it doesn't have loads of members, but generally speaking, they're from the 2017-2019 intakes. The majority have red wall seats. Danny Kruger, who was a founding force, does not have a red wall seat, but he instead has a very safe southern seat. But he was, of course, Boris Johnson's political secretary. So he argues, and he's also uh, fairly prolific at the moment for speaking at NatCon and other events, that the party needs to get back to his 2019 voter coalition and make sure it uh, goes good on the, on those promises. It's definitely a cause, as you've written about, James, of annoyance amongst many uh, in the Tory party that Lee Anderson is a member of this group because he's the deputy chairman. Now, technically, he is not getting paid money by the party at the moment, but that's more because he's taking a very well-paid show on GB News. Um, And he's not a vice chair, he is deputy chairman. And therefore there are lots of MPs who have complained about why it is you'd be allowed to, what, what is in effect a pressure group on the government, on government policy, while having a role. If you think back to Theresa May era, James Cleverly, deputy chairman, was constantly going out and defending Theresa May's Brexit deal and being very on message. And you can say these are things that Tory voters want and so forth, but it's not government policy. So so that's one point of intrigue. What the group have done today is launch their first, I think, big policy push. And it's a 12-point plan focused on illegal migration and curbing it. They say that if you took up their very various ideas that you would significantly reduce legal migration by the time of the next election. So they're obviously uh, suggesting there is a time to act. And it it's really it's a wide range of things all taken together they think would have this effect so for example raising the salary threshold there's um getting rid of some of the care uh, sector visas that are there. There's scrapping the two year as uh, obviously students can stay for work, which interestingly Boris Johnson brought back in in 2019, undoing a crackdown by Theresa May, and that has played a big role in some of these ballooning numbers, and also um, ultimately just uh, making it generally harder um, to to take a job here in the, in some of the sectors that, uh, when you think about that special list, the government updates because uh, sectors need it, um, cracking down on that, and the general argument is effectively. There are lots of people who are out of work, as we've covered many times in this podcast. And if you, uh, so so this group are arguing that if you do this, then therefore, I think Miriam Cates was saying this morning, you know, younger uh, people in the area, employees will have to hire them. Now, I think what's been quite interesting so far is that the government has not, um, you know, been too dismissive of the report. They're obviously trying to be quite 
positive about it while also committing to absolutely nothing so you had Lucy Fraser um, saying about care workers you know yes of course we want to be less dependent on cheap foreign labour look at the NHS workforce plan as, as something we're doing to make sure we're training up in the future well this where there is a difference is timing this group want to do things right now and that clearly this reflects a cabinet debate between Suella Bravman and Jeremy Hunt from a few months ago about what direction they go in on and the needs of the economy and some of these sectors versus bringing down immigration and I think therefore just were you to do what they want to do right now that would clearly create quite a lot of disruption particularly in the care sector so therefore I don't think Rishi Singh's about to do it but it does just show you the pressure and I think these are very much in the Suella camp. Isabel I mean as Katie said it's unlikely they're going to see many great policy wins as a result of this what's the purpose of the group and really why the timing now? Yeah so I mean it's one of the things I find really interesting is the level of ambition they have would have been considered under David Cameron to be too high in terms of net migration. So they want to cut net migration by two thirds from the 600 or thousand it is um, or has been recorded as at the moment to around 220,000. Now, it, the pledge that David Cameron had, that Suella Braverman has, has reiterated, is to drive it down to tens of thousands. So this isn't even particularly sort of austere levels of um, net migration that they're heading for, which just shows how far out from the original Conservative ambition things have gone. But I think in terms of them getting a policy win, it depends what they see as a win. Are they going to see their 12-point plan implemented by the Home Office in the next year? No. Are they strengthening the hand, as they see it, of Suella Braverman um, so that she has greater force from the backbenchers in her arguments, as Katie said, with the Treasury? Are they trying to reignite the debate around the government's efficacy on this? I suspect a lot of it's got to do with anxiety about the by-elections that are coming up as well and an impatience amongst that group that their party isn't being very conservative and that it's forgotten how to be conservative and that ties into other gripes about tax cuts and and so on that that actually this is a sort of weird kind of management interregnum rather than a properly conservative party that's heading into the next election with its own distinct identity from the Labour Party. And I think also obviously there's the, the debate about what should be in the Tory manifesto. So if you think about uh, putting the pressure on there, you could be increasing the chance of some of these policies making it. And I think the question is just why would voters believe necessarily you're going to do it after you know periods of missing deadlines? And uh, Isabel mentions those by-elections there. Katie, over the weekend we've seen some interesting polling about Mid-Bedfordshire. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so there's an interesting opinion poll um, ultimately on Mid-Bedfordshire, which is suggesting Labour on course to win it. And I think, I mean, it's curious for a few reasons. It's worth pointing out that right now we have no date for a by-election in Mid-Bedfordshire. <laughs> Nadine Doris is not playing ball. There are some in the Whips office who think actually she just may not ever really trigger that ahead of the next election. Others think it could happen sooner. So, so we're talking about a hypothetical by-election at the moment, but one that when it comes, so, so if you think about the 20th of July when you have free by-elections, um, 
Now, that would be very difficult for Rishi Sunak, but mid-Bedfordshire is seen as the safest of all the potential by-elections coming up, which is why it gets more attention. It's also particularly interesting because both Labour and the Lib Dems insist they have a chance in it. And this poll is definitely in Labour's favour, saying Labour, uh, uh, who are actually doing very intense efforts in the seat at the moment, are on course to, to take it. I think there are some Tories who hope in the event of this by-election you could have votes splitting to Labour and the Lib Dems. There's also an independent candidate, uh, very likely, and perhaps the Tories could sneak through the middle there. But given it's such a safe seat in the first place, um, you know, the the fact that we're in those discussions and that would be seen as a great victory for Rishi Sunak tells you something about where we are. And I think it would be interesting too about tactical voting if you were to have a situation where both the Lib Dems and Labour come quite close as to, you know, everyone keeps saying it's time to make a pact and they're clearly not going to do an official pact. But are you going to see what you saw in the local elections, which was quite what seemed to be from looking at the results, quite effective anti-Tory tactical voting? I mean, as well as that, a likelihood of seeing more kind of Lib Lab packs, particularly with the sort of burst of by-elections got coming up and potentially also one in Tamworth as well. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're never going to hear a, a formal endorsement of a, of a pact, but they've been quite common in various seats, uh, particularly actually in Scotland um, over the, the past few elections where you've had candidates standing for Labour who've been telling their voters verbally, not on campaign literature, obviously, to vote for the Lib Dems because that's the best chance of beating the SNP in that particular constituency. So you're never going to get somebody, you're never going to get Ed Davey going on the Today programme saying, actually, in these seats, can our guys please vote Labour? It's just not how politics works. But the informal arrangements of these tactical voting pacts, sure, I think we probably will see more of that. I think one really interesting thing about the Uxbridge by-election is the way in which the candidate is actually still being quite polite about Boris Johnson and saying to voters, look, you know, back me now and if it doesn't work out, you can get rid of me at the next general election because that's quite soon. And it's sort of an acknowledgement, partly obviously, you know, people do tend to be a bit more attached to their local MP, whether they're Boris Johnson or not. And it's actually borrowing quite a lot from Boris Johnson's own um, line when he won the 2019 election, where he said, you know, I I know lots of people don't trust me, but we're going to win your trust. And that's sort of what uh, Labour are doing in Uxbridge now, just saying, come on, give us a chance. Yeah. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.